good to see you all. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me, and I can share the Word of God today with us. As was mentioned, I grew up south of Holdridge, Nebraska, south of Kearney, south, south central Nebraska, on a farm. So I worked on farms and have that as a background. Went to Grace University in Omaha and Trinity Divinity School in the Chicago area. And I could tell you stories all morning about how God provided in special ways. Uh, it did take me 10 years, but I worked my way through school. And when I got through with uh, graduate school, I didn't owe any money. Can you believe that? God just took care of it. It's, it was amazing. My wife grew up right next to Trinity Divinity School. So we were with her family while we lived there. And then God called us to Alma, which was 12 miles from where I grew up. It wasn't my home church. Holdridge was my home church. Able to be close to my family for a number of years as well. I really appreciate how God took care of us in that way. And it was a, a great for us. Pastored in churches in Alma, Geneva. Last 22 years was in Lexington, Nebraska. Now we do a number of things with Brookside Free Church in Omaha. We have four adult kids and nine grandkids. One of those families lives in Omaha, and we spend quite a bit of time with the, the grandkids there while they're little. You know, when they get older, <laughs> they get busy, right? And you don't get to see them a lot. And uh, I know some of the people here, Dennis Command, I've known you for many years, district board meetings, and Ron Consoli and his wife. It's good to see you. Good to be here, here with you today. Our scripture reading and the passage I'll be preaching from, 1 Corinthians 50, uh, 15, 50 through 58, and I'll preach mainly from verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word today, we pray that you would teach us from it, help us to understand your word. Apply it to our lives that we might live for you. And Lord, may we be encouraged today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to talk to you today about being encouraged. Uh, you know, sometimes we get discouraged with things that are going on in the world and our lives and everything. And just be encouraged that whatever you are involved in, in the Lord's work, it's not worthless. It is not worthless. Be encouraged because God is at work in your life. And he wants to use you in these last days. You notice it 
mentioned in the passage that will be changed. Well, that hasn't happened yet, has it? But it's coming soon, I think. Amen? Looking forward to it. Many times believers get discouraged in what they are doing. But be encouraged. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has something planned for you and prepared for you. There's purpose and meaning in life. And he's prepared it. He wants to work in your life. He wants to use you. There's an old legend about the devil. According to this, the devil was asked, what is your best tool? And the devil said, well, I can get rid of all my other tools, but there's one tool I cannot spare. And that tool is discouragement. Discouragement. Because with discouragement, the tool of discouragement, I can work my way into the hearts of people and I can discourage them and I can plant the seeds of anything there that I desire. Discouragement. We get discouraged sometimes, don't we? Sometimes Christian workers just feel that. Be encouraged. You represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You have a message of life, not death, eternal life. We like to emphasize heaven, don't we? Going to heaven when we die. And that's important. It's good. But if you read the scriptures, do you know what you'll find more than that? Just look up those words, eternal life. Eternal life. So encouraging. So helpful. Why do we worn out? Why do we wear out and burn out? It's because we get discouraged. Sometimes we take our eyes off of the Lord and our calling to God and we put them on people or we put them on the things that are going on in the earth and we get discouraged. We need to put our eyes back on the Lord, don't we? We forget the basics of Christianity that we know. This year, let me encourage you, don't give up. God wants to use you. God has gifted you, every person. He's gifted you and he wants to use you. Today, as we look at 1 Corinthians 15, and especially verse 58, the context is Corinth. Corinth was a carnal, sinful, immoral church. And Paul wrote to this church to try to help them deal with their many, many problems. And then one of the things that he does is in chapter 15, he encourages them with the resurrection. And he talks about how great the resurrection is and what it will do for us. And so Paul is trying to help them not only deal with their problems, but to look to the Lord and to look to the future. And because Christ was raised from the dead, we will be raised as well. It's so important. And then verse 58 gives a summary of what he's been talking about. And that's what we're going to look at. It starts out by saying, my Dear brothers, therefore, my dear brothers. So he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you might not understand what we're talking about. Let me encourage you to, to believe in him, to trust in him, to invite him into your life and to be saved. My dear brothers, unsaved people can't understand these things. Mark 13, 13 says this, All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
all men will hate you because of me. And sometimes we experience that, don't we? Paul is speaking here to believers, but all around us are those who don't know the Lord, people who are unsaved, people who are unchurched, people who don't have a Bible or don't read their Bible. They don't know the Lord, and they can become a new person. They can have a new nature. They can live for God. This verse has a, a deep commitment for all believers. What kind of commitment? It's one that has several qualities, and we're going to look at those today. To be steadfast and sacrificial, to have a total commitment to the Lord. So first, steadfast. Notice the words right after it says, my dear brothers, it says, stand firm, let nothing move you. When I say the word stand, stand firm, in the King James it says, be steadfast, unmovable. What do you think of? Do you think of an oak tree? Not going to move much, is it? A cement wall? Uh, we lived in the Chicago area, area for a while, the Sears Tower. What do you think of when you think of something that won't move? Stand firm, let nothing move you. You don't think of a bowl of jelly, right? Or you don't think of the wind moving around. We think of that which is like a rock or an oak tree that's going to stand and be steadfast and stay there. Steadfast. The second quality is sacrificial. Notice what it says. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves. Sometimes give yourselves. When you feel like it, give yourselves. No. It says always give yourselves. Live sacrificially, a life of sacrifice. Valentine's is this week, and uh, some people will give themselves totally to that, won't they? They'll sacrifice in a big way. Uh, I looked it up. How much will be spent for Valentine's? Well, uh, United States, about $25 billion is expected to be spent for, billion, for uh, Valentine's this year. Um, consumers individually will spend $192 each. That's a little high in my estimation. So we'll get it down to the one that I kind of like. How about candy? Average person will spend $16 for candy. Now, <laughs> there's a good one. I like that one. How many of you like chocolates? How many of you hate chocolates? <laughs> Most of us like chocolate, but some people don't like them. Some people are going to give themselves in a sacrificial way to Valentine's. We can think about that this week. Sacrificial here has a special meaning because it means that we are to be available to God. We want to be used by God. Um, we are always to give ourselves to what? The, the, the work of the Lord. That's what it's talking about. Do you sacrificially give yourself to the work of God? Christians must be fat. Pastor, you're not supposed to talk like that. <laughs> what do you mean by fat? Fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. That's sacrifice, isn't it? So let me encourage you to be a fat Christian. Faithful, available, and teachable. We think we are deprived of so much so often, don't we? And not too many of the younger kids are here, but kids in the room. And it's so great to see young families in your church and have 
people up here singing with the worship team, that's, that does my heart good. That's encouraging. But we think we have to give up so much. Think of this for a moment. One-third of India does not have toilets. One-third of India does not have toilets. I grew up on a farm, and uh, we had the outside privy, and we had an inside toilet. My sisters got to use the inside one. If they were busy at all, us boys, guess where we got to go? <laughs> we got to use the outside privy. And my grandparents lived about a mile away from us, and they didn't have one indoors. They only had the outdoor one. How many of you uh, can relate to that or know what I'm talking about? A few of you, yeah. And we didn't ha we, uh, I shouldn't say we didn't have running water in our house. We had water in our house, but we had the pump. You know, you went to get a drink of water or you wanted to uh, take a bath or anything, you had to pump the water in our house. And if you wanted to feed the cow, water the cows, you had to pump the water. Some of you can relate to that. That's been a long time for most people, hasn't it? We had a neighbor. Till the day he died, he never did have running water in his house, never did have a toilet in his house. So I just share that as maybe a little example of how we have so much today and take it for granted. Washing machines. Just think of how many hours people in our world that don't have washing machines spend trying to wash their clothes. I could talk about that for a long time, but I won't. What are you planning to sacrifice this year for God? What are you going to sacrifice for Him? Here's a verse that teaches me. It's Romans 12, 11, and inspires me. I think of it quite often. Romans 12, 11, it says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's what we should do, shouldn't it? Keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I like to think of this as a boiling point. Keep that boiling point, the water boiling all the time. Spiritual fervor for the Lord. Are you giving yourself sacrificially to the Lord? This coming year, what are your plans when it comes to sacrificing for God? What would you be willing to sacrifice when it comes to time? Do you give of your time to the Lord? What would you be willing to sacrifice when it comes to your talents? Every one of us is gifted. Every one of us has talents. How are you using them? And treasure. I like those three T's. Time, talent, treasure. How are you giving of your treasure to the Lord? Giving unsacrificially of our lives to God. Those of you who are raising kids, you're not just raising kids. You're raising kids for Christ. Amen? You have to sacrifice to make that happen. I heard of some families recently talking about how their kids weren't going to play sports on Sunday. In Omaha, that's a big deal. Uh, maybe you can find another sport or do something different instead of being there on Sunday morning, missing time with the Lord. So steadfast and sacrificial and then total. Look at verse 58. It uses the word Fully, always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Notice in King James, if you have the King James, it says always abounding. It's talking about giving yourself fully or totally to the Lord. What do you give yourself fully to? If you're in school, what do you give yourself fully to at school? If you are working age, 
What do you give yourself fully when it comes to work? It brings to my mind the word fully, the word workaholic. What does a workaholic mean to you? Is that being fully? Is that giving yourself fully if you're a workaholic? I think of the father who works eight hours, goes home for supper, sees the kids, and goes back to work. Or never sees the kids during the day, maybe only on the weekend. That's, that's fully, isn't it? Or the farmer who, who works dawn to dusk, the life I grew up in, six days a week and some of our neighbors seven days a week. My dad got saved when I was four years old and he changed his life and he never worked on Sunday again after that. We had irrigation, turned the irrigation motor off Saturday night, went out, changed the oil Monday morning, started it up again. Our crops were just as good as the neighbors that farmed and irrigated on Sunday. God took care of us in that way. And the cool thing about being on a farm is my dad would take us with him often. He'd take us with him in the combine. He'd take us with him in the tractor. He had us help move the cows, and he took us to the sale barn. You have a sale barn close here? Maybe not. Uh, that was such a, a special thing every once in a while. And I can still taste those homemade pies. Every sale barn has homemade pies, don't they? And uh, he gave his life to us, but we got to be with him a lot. Or think of the workaholism when it comes to a whole uh, hourly employee that can't get along on one job and works all day and then has to go to a second or third job to keep things going. So... That word kind of helps me think about what it means to give fully. A workaholic shows what it means to be fully committed. The Bible puts it this way, we're to be fully committed to the Lord. And turn with me to Matthew 6, if you will. And I'd encourage you to memorize this verse or, or several verses along with it. Matthew 6, And I'll pick it up at verse 31. Matthew 6, 31. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's fully, isn't it? Seeking first God's kingdom. That's giving ourselves totally, isn't it? Seeking first God's kingdom, seeking first God's righteousness. And when we seek God first and put him first, then he takes care of the other things. Amen? All these things will be given to you as well. If you want to know what those things are, read the context of chapter 6, and it gives us what they are. He takes care of us. He provides for us when we put him first. We give our lives fully to him and totally to him. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. As working for the Lord, not for men. Let me encourage you teenagers to not compartmentalize your lives. It's so easy to compartmentalize, isn't it? We all do it in our minds from time to time. We, we give ourselves fully on at this time or in this way, but over here we don't. Be thoroughly Christian. 
be thoroughly a Christian not only at church on Sunday, but at home and at school and in sports and in every area of your life. Seek to put Christ first and be thoroughly Christian. I love it when I see a ball game before the game or after the game. Team huddles together for prayer. We've seen a lot of that lately. They don't often show it on TV, but every once in a while they slip up and show it. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Or this, the athlete that goes, first I want to give thanks to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then he goes ahead in the interview. That's giving themselves fully. They're willing to speak up about it. Be thoroughly Christian in every area of your life. Why? Because it sets the pattern for your life. Some parents live thoroughly Christian on Sunday, and they live different during the week. And surveys tell us that many teenagers leave the faith right after high school or in college age. And the surveys show us that one of the reasons that that happens is because Christian kids are growing up with parents who are acting very Christian on Sunday, but they act however they want or unchristian or like the world the rest of the week, and the kids go, my parents are this way this time and that way that time. They're compartmentalizing their lives. I don't want that. I want somebody that's real, and it affects the life of many people, especially teenagers. So first, we're to live steadfast lives and have that as a quality in our life, sacrificial, total, and then directed. Later in the verse there, in verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Notice what it says, to the work of the Lord. That means it's directed. You're directed at the Lord. You're directed at fully giving yourselves to Him, not to everything else in the world. What is the work of the Lord? When you think of the work of the Lord, what is it? Is it only what happens in this building? No. It includes that, and that's important. But it's not just what happens in this building. It's many, many other things as well. Our directed work of the Lord is when we're at work every day of the week, being thoroughly Christian at work. It's being a Christian, a believer, uh, a person who's living for God at home, in our home. What, are, what is it we're doing in our home to make it thoroughly Christian and directed to the work of the Lord? It's at school. It's when we're playing sports. It's when we're leading whatever we might be leading. Maybe it's a board or something in the community. Just think of every area of life, and it should affect every area of our lives that it's we are to have our Christian lives directed to the work of the Lord. You're going to do the work of the Lord tomorrow if you're a thoroughly Christian. Amen? And it's so important to, to think that way. I didn't grow up thinking that way, honestly. It took me a long time to figure that out. I was saved when I was nine years old, but I didn't live for the Lord at all in high school. I'm guessing that most of the kids that were in my class and the ones that sat by me didn't even know I was a Christian. That's not the way to do it. I'd love to do that high school thing over just for that part. Not the rest of it, but that part. My friends and the kids in school with me would know that I was a believer. 
because I didn't talk like one and I didn't act like one. I went along with the crowd. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, that means God, Put us together in a special way. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. And if we're directed in our work, and it's the work of the Lord, then we can do good works for him, can't we? Now, I'm not saying that's how we get saved. Please don't take that wrong. Our good works are what we do after we're saved to say thank you to God for what he's done for us. James 3.13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Where did you hear that before today? It was in our call to worship, wasn't it? <laughs> right there, it talks about our deeds, right there in James. And you'll find it over and over in the book of James, in fact. What does it say? By their good life, by deeds done, how? In humility. We don't go out and do good deeds to be have everybody see us and build us up and talk about how great we are. We do it so that they'll talk about how great who is? Our Lord. Amen? By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Directed to the work of the Lord means a committed involvement at work, at home, at family, and, the, and in the Lord's work at the church. In your work, is your faith at work in your work? What are you doing to integrate your faith with your work? That's a, a, it's an ongoing work for us, isn't it? Every day to make sure that it's in integrated with our work. Do you have standards that you will not violate? Things that are important to you. Here's one that our world doesn't accept at all. That we won't be with the opposite sex if we're married alone, if at all possible. That we will not take part in being drunk or using illegal drugs. But we will share our faith. We will try to share our beliefs regularly. We don't have to always cite the chapter and verse, but we can talk about our morals and our beliefs and our standards. That's at work. How about home and family? Are you committed to your family and sharing your beliefs and spending time with your family? How about in the community and when it comes to politics? Uh, do you vote? Do you try to find out what's going on in your world so you can vote? Are you involved in the community? Do you volunteer? I, uh, being semi-retired, involved in several uh, things where I go and volunteer. And uh, one of them's at a horse barn where these people have horses and they uh, do uh, things for people that uh, are handicapped and have special needs. And they, they try to help them and encourage them by giving them horse rides, things like that. Are you willing to, are you willing to sacrifice of time and volunteer and give to your community needs? Volunteerism used to be something that was held up very high, and people talked about it a lot. And nowadays, it seems like more and more people are too busy, and we don't hold that up as, a, as important as we used to. So our work, our home and our family, our community, and the Lord's work in our church, it means committed involvement. And let me encourage you with this when it comes to your church. If each person would be involved in a major ministry and a minor ministry, it would make everybody being involved and not those few people have to do so much. What do I, what do I mean by major? 
that's once a week. What do I mean by minor? That's once a month. Can you be involved in something in your church once a week and something once a month? Sunday school teachers, leaders. See, you don't have a wanna here, right? You have good news clubs involved in your good news club. Some of you have to teach. Some of you pick up kids and bring them. Some of you uh, involved in other ways and make it happen. Your youth, you know, sometimes they need food and somebody has to make the food. And somebody has to bring it. That's being involved, isn't it? That's making com commitment. That's helping. That's making sure that what needs to take place is going to happen. Boards and committees at the church. The Lord's work goes on here because of you. And if you aren't involved, it ain't going to happen. So let me encourage you to do that. And then inviting people to your church. 83% of the people who become Christians come because someone invited them to church. 83% of people who become Christians come because somebody invited them to a church. But here's the other fact. Only 2% of Christians invite somebody to church. Isn't that sad? Only 2% of Christians invite people to church. That's a pretty easy thing to do, isn't it? Invite somebody to church, or maybe you have a special event, or you got something coming up here. Easter's coming up, right? That's a good one. That's one you can invite people to. Don't be a part of the 98%. Be a part of the 2% and make it a whole lot higher. Directed. Directed to, to the work of the Lord. So we uh, are to be steadfast, we're to be sacrificial, we're to have total commitment, fully committed to be directed where? To the work of the Lord. And then he gives us this great encouragement at the end. Notice what it says. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that hopeful? It's a rewarded work. How many of you believe that God will reward you on earth because he blesses you? In heaven because he has rewards for us there. And that God has something special in mind for every person who's saved. Turn with me for a moment to Galatians 6, verse 9. Galatians 6 and verse 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Notice what it says, talking about being rewarded. It says you will reap a harvest. I grew up on a farm. I know what a harvest is. Most of you do too. Some of you harvest corn and, I don't know, I didn't see too much wheat or milo around here, but we had wheat and milo. Milo has a special place in my heart. I came home from school, got on the combine, and helped cut the milo. The only problem was that was before calves. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. That milo, when you get it in your neck, I always just wore a hood sweater. I didn't care if it was 100 degrees and tied that thing down tight because you get it in your neck, and it's like having sandburrs all over your body from that stupid Milo. Harvest. We harvested it. A verse that you can take to heart. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's a couple more verses just to kind of remind us of the rewards. Matthew 6.20 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Are you laying up for yourself treasures in heaven? Let me encourage you to do that. And then 2 Timothy 4.8, what about crowns? Are you looking forward to a crown? 2 Timothy 4.8, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There it talks about the crown of righteousness. There are other crowns talked about in the Bible. And so we can look forward to treasures in heaven. We can look forward to crowns, but we can also thank God for the blessings he gives us here on earth because of our labor in the Lord, and it's not in vain. He's going to reward us. Steadfast, sacrificial, total, directed, and rewarded. Are you encouraged today in the work of the Lord that your work is not worthless, but very much needed and very much appreciated. Amen? If not, let God, let, let God do that in your heart today, and you will be rewarded. Think about hope for a moment. God placed us in this generation because, because there is so much more for us to do. God has so much for us. As we think about this generation, there's a lot of things that will discourage us. Government. Oh, we could talk about government and things that are going on in our world, couldn't we? Uh, even just that small thing of China's balloons spying on us or the war in Korean, Korean, Ukraine, get it right, Ukraine. <laughs> our personal problems, everybody here has some personal problems. Diseases like COVID and some of the other diseases before that, and some of you may have a disease today. Lord, what is the hope that we have? I'm reminded of a story that Dr. Lutzer told, and he said that there was a young lady, pregnant lady, went in to the hospital and was uh, there to deliver the baby, and the baby got stuck. And the young father happened to be in the room, and he noticed something was going on, something was wrong. And the doctor came up to the young father and looked him right in the eye, and he said, We've been here before, we know what's going to happen, and everything's going to be okay. And in about 20 minutes, there's going to be a whole room full of nurses coming here, people coming here, it's going to be scurrying around, all this stuff's going to be happening in this room, and we've been here before, we know what we're doing, and everything's going to be okay. Now, you can watch... CNN and Fox from morning to night, and it will not feed your soul. And we need to watch some of that, don't we? <laughs> or read or listen to other things. We've got to do a little of that. But we need to listen to God as well. Because you're not going to be controlled by, excuse me, you are going to be controlled by the voice that you listen to. Go to the Word of God. Remind yourself of how this story is going to end. The fact that God rules and God knows everything that's going on in the world. And God says, I know what I'm doing and everything's going to be okay. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, God. You love us. You love every person here. And you're in control. So, Lord... Help us to be encouraged. Help us to know and believe that everything will be okay. Help us to live steadfast and sacrificial lives, lives that are totally committed to you and 
that are directed towards you and to remember that we will be rewarded. Thank you for the rewards that we can look forward to. Lord, if there are any unsaved here today that need to be saved, Lord, open their hearts to you to believe in you. Paul is speaking to believers, but all around us are people that don't know the Lord. Open our eyes to see people who need the Lord and what we can say or do and how we can pray for them. Lord, help each of us the rest of this day and this week. Sink these words into our hearts and give us wisdom to understand them. That we might remember the scripture that says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen.